keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome, everybody, to Wrestle Roasts. Uh, our show is in two parts this week. I am here. You know from House of Wrestling, from being uh, the most anticlimactic part about the most climactic press conference in wrestling history, um, Nick Houseman is here, folks. And we're wow. going to talk everything AEW. We're going to talk Dynamite that we just watched. And... Uh, I will be doing my QT Marshall jokes at the end. Robert and Scott will be doing their dynamite review, their QT jokes tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to be uh, actually, tra- by the time you guys get this, will be Friday, but I, I would have been in Port Chester opening for Awana Glazer. I'm going to be in uh, Virginia next weekend. I'm going to be in uh, Frederick, Maryland. And I'm also, uh, yeah, I'm going to be in, I'm going to be in Virginia next, uh, next Saturday night. And I got some other road gigs coming up. Got a new podcast called the it couple. Uh, you can, Get it on all your platforms, baby. We just did Dan Soder reviewing Predator. We did Henry Zabrowski, Hereditary. We got some good. We got actually Dolph Ziggler coming up on the show. So make sure to check that out. Um, But, Nick, it seems like when the focus should be on, what is this, the the second or biggest wrestling gate in British history? Right. Yeah, it, it might be the largest attendance of all time for a pro wrestling event if they can push a couple more thousand tickets. I, I mean, literally a couple, like two, I think. It's unbelievable. Uh, an, an incredible achievement. Nobody thought that that was possible. Myself included. I thought they were going to get to like 50,000 or something. Um, but wrestling is super fucking hot, and they had a hell of a couple beginning years. I mean, they were the wrestling show of the pandemic. But again, this week, everybody's talking about a promo that CM Punk cut after collision. Now, it's see, now I'm just, you know, I'm just a guy with a wrestling podcast. You are a little more connected to what's really going on there. But it seems right now that CM Punk, and just stop me when I'm wrong, CM Punk is, uh, is on Saturday. He's on collisions and it's been kind of a rough go of it ratings wise. Um, we just saw SummerSlam destroy him a couple weeks ago. I'm not saying that that's the reason for why everybody's kind of like why he's pissed off, but just to give you an idea of kind of like what he's going up against. Meanwhile, on Dynamite, it's uh, Hangman Page, the Elite, and few select guys are able to kind of go back and forth, but each show has their own camps at this point. Each show has their own cliques. Each show seems to have their own backstage drama. And this past week, he cut a shoot promo about how Adam Hangman Page um, was uh, is not a big deal in AEW. He's basically just, you know, a peg warmer. He's he's uh, all over these uh, department store, store shelves as action figures. So he's 
he, you know, he was kind of making fun of the elite saying they're the heart and soul of AEW, but he's basically he's the one who moves merchandise. Um, which is fine if that's where you're going, but I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, apparently they're not they're not going there, which is insane to me. Um, but they're they're instead uh this is just this is like violating some gentleman's agreement they had backstage where they weren't gonna talk shit on the other party. Now it seems as if there was also a disagreement with CM Punk and Jungle Boy, CM Punk and Ryan Nemeth. Uh, it seems as if CM Punk has come out and said that, you know, Ryan Nemeth and uh, Christopher Daniels can't be in the same building as me. And that has to do with a steel not being able to be in the same building as, uh, as CM Punk right now. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, as, as, as anybody else. So he's kind of like quarantine and, and only pitches CM Punk ideas. Um, what the fuck is going on? That's my question. What the fuck is happening that this is the main story in wrestling this week when they're about to like pull off their greatest feat of all time? That's a great question, Dan. Um, I I think that this is a transition period for AEW at the most kind of inopportune or opportune time, depending on how it plays out, right? Um, Man, All In is just like, a week and a half away, isn't it? It is, yeah. Now, if they were able to turn this into big business for all out, you know, if in a week from now they were able to announce that we're getting the elite versus, you know, punk at FTR at, at, at all out in Chicago, and that's why we're seeing, you know, kind of a heel as young bucks right now, um, which was probably the best TV of the night, by the way, it was just the very end of that, uh, even though the match was like whatever. Um, Instead, we're just going to get kind of like, you know, insert Bullet Club Gold. It it just feels very much like when they did like the Kane, Lita, you know, (laughs) like falling in love storyline when you all wanted to see like the Jeff Hardy, Bad Hardy shit. It kind of, it kind of, it kind of feels like that, but that's neither here nor there. Apparently they can't talk about it. And uh, not enough romance in this one, right? There's not there's enough no love. romance. There's no there's, romance. There's not enough romance in this one. That's what it's lacking in this situation. It I... is. It is unfortunate that it does not look like we're going to get that. And it, that's why it feels a little empty. Um, They're doing their best to try to make stuff feel interesting for all in, which feels weird. Cause again, it might be like the largest pro wrestling show of all time. Um, my wife, I watch, so I don't usually watch dynamite or most shows live at night. Um, but I, I have a new writer. His name's Nick Miller on, on house of wrestling. And tonight he was running the site and I was just kind of watching over his shoulder. He did a great job. Now I don't have to watch dynamite anymore. I have a great writer covering it for house of wrestling. Thank you, Nick. Wonderful. I know I lucked out Nick Miller. He's a real deal. He's an actual rock star. Maybe we can all do something fun on stage one day. He's got a great band, Mount Oriander, right? Um, but as I'm watching the show Dynamite, my wife is there with me in the, right, in right. the living room. Okay. Yeah. And 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 she doesn't, you know, because we like to spend time together each night. So if I'm watching wrestling, she'll watch wrestling with me. Oh man. She she noted how much talking there was on this show tonight. It was just so much exposition here right at the 10 yard line going into the show so many matches being announced so right. much quick so much quick plot lines being developed 
little I mean, twist. We'll, we'll, it was we'll a lot. To, we'll get to dynamite, but my question is, like, what's going on backstage, man? Oh, like, what's going? On? What have you heard as far as like, like, how does the packing order? Where is Tony Khan and all of this? Yeah. Is Tony is is Tony like? You know, obviously they made fun of like they did some bizarre sketch tonight where he plays like a hothead backstage, which I I don't know. Like this is like how like unaware of himself this guy is he's he's unaware that the big story this week is him chanting cm punk backstage after cm punk came backstage he's like the biggest mark ever and they tried to like make him like vince tonight um which i don't know if that was like the ironic joke or something but yeah what's what is the way of the land man how does it work back in aew like do you where do you see this going who i mean is there is there like you know like a lot of the you know, a, a lot of the background that we got on the CM Punk press conference came from you after the event happened. Are there things that that we're missing as a wrestling community about the story? Who's right? Who's wrong? How does this end? Uh, great. Thanks for all the pressure on that question, Dan. Very simple <laughs> question to answer. No doubt at all. I, I see Tony. You know, I was talking to somebody else earlier today about... Um, how does this all make sense? How does it all fit? I I think that obviously collision is CM Punk's territory and dynamite is the elites. And I think about Tony Khan as a sports manager and how when you, when you have two quarterbacks, one that's on the field, one that's on the bench, you kind of want them competing against each other for that spot on the field. Right. Right. And, and maybe it's in your best interest to have these two guys really at each other's odds. You know, where they really do kind of want to outdo each other. They want to one-up each other. It has to be genuine, right? If they like each other, they get along, they're not pushing each other as hard. Well, Same it's, thing the, goes it's with, like the Heyman, uh, you know, Stephanie Smackdown feud. Yes, similar. Excellent reference. So part of me wonders if this is all by design, Dan. You know, Tony Khan, yeah. uh, for all he says about harnessing the creative power of AEW and whatever he does, he direction, there's too much going on. There's no way for one man to be booking every segment, overlooking everything that is going on. It very much feels to me like he has given the power of these two shows to these other entities with, of course, that kind of Vince McMahon golden touch final approval on anything he does or doesn't like, right? Approval, disapproval. That's what this is, right? That That's what this is. And I, I think people should just kind of get used to that dynamic um, and I hope they stay away from, you know, I think punk stepped in it, bringing up the page stuff. I think even he's admitted to that. It looks like he's apologized in a text message to page probably wasn't the right place because he put the spotlight back on that when they're trying to work towards other stuff. Yeah. But we're, you know, what I just described two two players vying for the same spot. That's what Tony Khan wants to see. That's what he's letting play out in the pro wrestling landscape for himself right now, in my opinion. And there was no, I mean, there was no acknowledgement of what happened. There was no receipt in a promo from any guy tonight on Dynamite. So as far as everything that's going on backstage, is that like, I mean, is is, is Punk kind of like, has he got the book right now backstage? At, colli at Collision, I mean, if he's deciding that the head of talent relations can't be there, I'm guessing CM Punk's fingerprints are all over that show. If he's looking... Jack Perry in the face and say we're not we're not doing this on Saturday nights. He knows what's going on on Saturday nights. 
Yeah. Um, it'll, I mean, I wonder what they're going to be doing for this. I mean, do you have punk and MJF team up as a super heel group at the end of the show? Like, and then that's, that's how you kind of get out of this. So we just, you know, go back to that story, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the way, but it, 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 it doesn't feel like it's like, we're never going to see a payoff with any of this. We're never going to see these guys fighting each other. Um, and I'm kind of nervous about what they would be because it seems like punk is, you know, punk is get pretty injury fucking prone as far as, uh, as far as just what's gone on in ring. And I, you know, he doesn't move the same way in the ring. He's older. He has a lot of bumps. And I mean, if we saw, and, and I, I just don't know if Kenny can cut a promo, like, I, I, you know, like, I don't know what this feud actually look like if we saw it, you know, like, would it just be, it, would it kind of be just like Sean and Brett where like, we remember it being better in hindsight than it actually was where like the segments were good, but then there wasn't really a payoff match. I mean, like, would we see something in terms of that? I don't know. I don't know if they could actually get this in the ring. That's something Vince was always really good at. But um, it's it's just shocking to me that like they uh, they again seem to have a layup with this sold out fucking Wembley show, and instead you know we're talking about CM Punk, um, you know, telling like uh, you know Ryan Nemeth he's got to go home and and uh, CM Punk getting a fight with Jack Perry over fucking glass or something like that. But I mean, what is do you have any like? insider knowledge of like what the different camps are backstage and like how this is playing out is there like an unspoken rule of the jungle or something like, well i think i think it's pretty clear there's collision guys and there's dynamite guys right there are right. people that there are people that want to be in that punk bubble they want to be working on collision be a part of that space and they want to be away from what's going on on wednesday nights you know um it, wednesday nights it's a different vibe it, it's a different tone I, I, you know, I had a conversation the other day with somebody where I brought up the idea of like for a young talent that's trying to get ahead on dynamite, do you have to be willing to like literally mutilate yourself? Because that seems to be like a prerequisite to be a like top profile person on Wednesday nights, whether it becomes that time of year for blood and guts or whatever it may be, just feels like everybody's always bleeding and hurting themselves on Wednesday nights. We haven't really seen that be as prevalent over on Saturday nights, right? It's a it's a much more, uh, I hate to say reserved, but more focused product, I think, maybe on Saturday nights. And a lot of the kind of chaotic elements that you get on Wednesday nights, um, the matchmaking without the storytelling, I, I, I feel like it's it's just a different and it's just a different tone. And for people that like that scoop ice cream on Wednesdays, great. May not like Saturdays, but I, I see the difference. And I think that's the camps that you're talking about is people that either want to do it this way or they want to do it that way. And you obviously prefer Saturday night's approach. I, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's an easier watch. You know, I watched it tonight dynamite. We get it dynamite, you know, um, hit or miss for me personally. I mean, more, lot. more miss, but yeah, we'll more miss a second, but more miss. Yeah. Um, so you you don't like you you think that this is going to be squashed now as far as like what happened? Do you think there's going to be any receipts? Do you think this ends, or do you think this is going to be like what everyone's saying backstage, where this is eventually going to lead to an explosion between the elite and Punk, and 
you know, this rodeo, is, is this going to be a forever war or is this, is this going to combust, you know? I think Ace Steel, I think Ace Steel, I think Ace Steel returning to the backstage area would do a great deal and starting to ease those tensions. Right. And I think that was something that was discussed and, you know, it's a bone of contention. I'll put it that way. And um, I think that, that I think that a steal an actual bone to chew, to, to chew on. He needs it in the corner. Keep him busy. Right. Keep him, him busy. The, yeah. If the dog and Ace had been chewing on a bone in the corner, that dog never been hit. And then there wouldn't yeah. have been a fight, you know? Exactly. Where is it? What does Larry the dog have to say on all this? <laughs> yeah. But so I, so you think it's, so you think it's still very much up in the air how this is going to fucking turn the, out? Look, the Bucks have to decide that they want to sit down at the table. Punk wants to sit down at the table, work this out, put it behind him, maybe make some money. And if even if they don't make money, we can all at least move on and get everybody let everybody know we're back on the same page. We may not be doing business together, but let's all move on to other things, right? Uh, but the Bucks have to decide. It's all in their hands. It's completely up to Matt and Nick Jackson. I don't think Kenny really cares at this point. I don't even think I don't really I don't think Adam Page cares at this point. You know, I think I think he would love for everybody to get down at, at the table and just move on. He wasn't involved in the fight. He wasn't there. He didn't throw a punch. He didn't bite nobody. Um, and if Kenny's willing to move on, he was actually a part of it. You know, yeah. then it just leaves Matt and Nick and it, it's in their hands. They they are. Is, is Nick yeah. just upset that he got hit? Kind of. Yeah, Matt, you know, look. Look, I've I, I've heard a lot of different things about how that altercation played out backstage. Does seem like you had a a UFC fighter, quality fighter, trained MMA artist. Well, uh, uh, what's know. what's also not? You know, I mean, hey, that, look, know, uh, of the people uh, in that of the people in that mix, there's only one person that's a you know. Well, there is uh, somebody who's been in an octagon before. Yes. And and enjoy sitting around getting beat up and beating up other people and that kind I of. Thing. I, 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 don't, I don't know if you were able to check any of those UFC matches, Nick. Well, Mickey um, Gall is a little bit different than Nick Jackson. No offense to Nick Jackson. Uh, and, no, I, I agree with that. But um, yeah, it was yeah, I can't imagine that being um, a really. Uh, I don't know. I can't. I can't imagine that have gone going well for for either of the Jacksons, but. No, and that's the thing is, are you know, are they willing to move past it? And it's it's a hundred percent on the Bucks. That's it. Like it's up to them if this all gets moved past or not. Because you know, if if they, for whatever reason, don't want a steal around, even on a show they're not on, the wound is open. Bottom line. Right. Um. So you think that this was strategic on Punk's part, or no? Was he just pissed off and said something dumb? I think he was. Con- I think, like he said, he was rocked and just fucking with people. Yeah, <laughs> I think that was it. I, you know, I think I could look real also, deep. I will it. say this in, in yeah. Punk's defense: like I've been in a show, like let's just say last night where I'm doing stand up, and it's just the attendance isn't great, and you're just kind of tired because you had like exerted all all this energy for like just kind of like a fucking three fourths empty room, so you just start saying dumber shit, you know. Yeah, I I very much got that the throes of the of the Eve um kind of vibe off of Punk in that situation. I I read that too. You know, if I wanted to put some kind of conspiracy spin on it, I'd say that uh, Collision is not doing viewership wise the way it was in the early to mid uh start of its run. And if uh, there was any way to put the spotlight back on Collision, get everybody talking about CM Punk and Collision, 
they did it this week. So if we see another 200,000 views tacked onto collision this week, as they're up, up against some college football and some preseason games, you know, Hey, maybe this was all a strategic, beautiful well, plan. It's a, a, a 3D chess perspective, Mr. Hasman. I'm just saying, I, I look, I like, I'm trying to look at it from all angles. I got all day, buddy. This is all I do. This is all I do. <laughs> Well, let's get through dynamite. Uh, just some top line thoughts. You should dynamite or dead. Orange Cassidy versus Wheeler, Utah. This was there. I, I just think they should do like Orange and uh, and Moxley at this pay at, at this all in pay per view. I don't think you need another like gigantic. There's just so many goddamn tag matches on the show. Um, but you know, you know, the match was just kind of there. Orange Cassidy wins, and uh, Eddie Kingston comes out. Wearing a Union Strong shirt. Um, any thoughts of this match, Nick? No, not really. Uh, I didn't anticipate. I didn't anticipate a title change. And Wheeler Utah is like a utility player. It was fine for it was. I thought Eddie Kingston looked like a star when he came back. He usually seems like he pops out on the frame when he's back on TV. Um, that's my thoughts. I agree with that. Kenny Omega has an interview with Jim Ross that's fucking horrendous. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how else to say it, man. I mean, this was just like Kenny kind of like almost like regurgitating facts about him and Don's relationship that seemed like he was almost like kind of weirdly disconnected from. Like the whole time you're watching this, you know, you're thinking about JR interviewing, you know, Foley and getting that whole other side of mankind. And this is the exact opposite mood of that. It's a, yeah. br- it's a uh, brightly lit uh, stadium. It's JR who's, who's just, you know, I mean, he's been rough, man. He's been rough lately, you know, and he's been going through health shit and whatever. But, you know, it, it, it's not the same JR. And you have Kenny who <laughs> completely is fucking disconnected from the entire experience, probably the best in-ring res- wrestler in the world still, like, for those big moments. But... <laughs> You know, I don't know. What were you laughing? I can't stop laughing because I'm thinking about this segment and it's just so ridiculous. It was just, I mean, the whole thing was just, dude, this whole, this whole, the the whole middle part of Dynamite was just camp, it was just camp fucking television. And this was, I felt like, because in Chicago after midnight on local television, like on Saturdays, there's like these local TV shows and stuff that air. And this felt so local TV show to me. It just felt like they yeah. were throwing it because the whole, cause you didn't get to it, but the whole fight sequence were like the bullet club and they're attacking him and they're wrapping up in ropes that edits away and the edits back. It looked like a Kung the Fu edits back, but they would, they would cut back to Jr. And he was just, he, he standing yeah. there, no dude, emotion, dude. What, just, it was like, here's Dan, let's be surprise. real. Dude, like, the, Vince let's, used to light that guy on fire, dude. and JR is just sitting there watching, dude, like he's Can on we... a fucking prank show in the mall or something. <laughs> that is a very good call because you're seeing in real time J- Jim Ross saying, The fuck am I watching right now? What is this <laughs> shit that I am watching in this fucking moment? And you would think. Oh, let's cut away from Jim Ross. We don't want Jim oh Ross looking God. like, what the fuck am I watching? But instead they're like, no, tight shot, tight shot on Jim. We got to get that, that reaction of like, holy fuck, what am I watching from Jim Ross coming out of this? I thought this was 
terrible. Well, they got that. <laughs> they just got it in the way they uh, they didn't bargain for. It felt like a 2 a.m. Kung Fu movie. Like, it should have been like, you know, there should have been like, uh, uh, you know, uh, translate or whatever, the audio over it. Well, yeah. we, this this leads to a, a segment yeah. with Don Callis in real time where Jericho says he's going to join Don Callis. But then, which I thought the beginning of this was like a little clever, um, you know, like they, and then they show, you know, the fact that Don basically, Don, Don had assumed that Jericho was going to turn him down. So um, he was going to have, you know, Jericho attacked and the, um, and the painting that he had brought for the occasion which they had thought, which, you know, every, you know, which, uh, which Don had commissioned thinking Jericho was going to, um, he was going to turn his back on him. It was a picture of him holding Jericho's head. So Don like secretly did want to fuck Jericho at a, and Jericho sees this is obviously upset. He gets attacked by Osprey and Takeshita. Then Sammy Guevara makes the save, which is, just as weird. I mean, we'll say this, like Sammy was cheered. It's the first time Sammy's been cheered in a while. Um, but you know, like clearly they just want to do Jericho and Osprey. And the way they got here was kind of silly. But um it was what it was. Nick. Here's the thing about this segment is I don't like when my wife points out that Will Osprey's wearing gray sweatpants and is like, you know why he's wearing those sweatpants, right? His dick looks big. Because then all we could really, then all we could really focus on was Will Osprey's dick popping around the ring, the rest of that segment. Um, I thought this was, I thought this Holy was. Oh shit, that is. I'm watching it now. Okay, yeah, you, hog. Look at that, right? Them gray sweatpants. Yeah, man. Gray sweatpants battle royal. She wants me to buy a pair just like that. I told her we're going to Marshalls this weekend. Mitchell has a bigger cock than Osprey. What an interesting conversation we've stumbled into here on the show today. <laughs> I, I, you know, I can't, I don't know. I'm so lost in all this. I'm not a big, I, I think Callus is getting a lot of heat, but I'm not a big Callus guy. Jericho stuff is real hit or miss for me. None of this really particularly grabbed me. I, I, I think that Jericho Osprey is a great match on paper for people that want to see it. I'm just not personally very on the hook. I, I, I thought it was kind of, like like with you, I thought the segment with him and Callis started strong and kind of devolved into so a little bit of chaos. And I don't know. Yeah, well, next we have Darby Allen and Nick Wayne versus the Gates of Agony. Juan and Toliona. The match was who cares? But the big story, folks. The uh the huge this is this is, I mean, this is bigger than you know Hogan bringing back the red and yellow. This is bigger. Then, you know, Rock and Sock coming back together. This, my friend, Joker Sting has arrived in in AEW. He he fucking abducted Prince Nana, uh, and uh, he's like, you know, I mean, it just feels like your dad who's like trying to make church night spooky. You know, like every, every time I see Sting, it's just it's just never. It never fucking like unless he's being like really unless he's being like really sincere or he's just being the you know the silent badass. I don't want to see him like you know do fucking you know the mask, which is what he's that's what he's doing when he's doing. Joking. Dan, I could not disagree with you more. This was a <laughs> highlight. This was an absolute highlight for me on Dynamite. I 
You I loved it. I loved it. I this man pops off the screen. I can't stop watching. He is in a wonderlust that no one in the AEW locker room is in. I am I am here for anything Sting does right now. Any of it. <laughs> All of it. That's his favorite Sting. He's said that before. That great. He's his favorite Sting. Good. Let him do it. I was well, getting you know, Jim- better that than like Darby just revealing that he has an actually shitty real life personality. It's like if if they'd have had uh, Jim Carrey cast as the crow. That's what we're getting right now. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, we then get MJF and um Adam Page going to Outback, then tackling. You know, like getting a you know you know kind of like a funny ha ha segment between those two. Some of it works, some of it doesn't. God, I I made better sketches in my yeah. college video classes i mean i look i know there's an audience for this i just it's it's just i don't know man it's just so late night adult swim god rest its soul because it's yeah, dead well, i don't know man there's some good adult swim shit there's there's adult swims actually the adult swim stuff is probably better executed than this it no, was i i dude i was Ugh, rolling my eyes at this. I'm over it. The MJF Adam Cole stuff. What's going on? Is it there's not a program here? It's a two man well, sketch I think comedy the weird, team. The, I mean, I think the weird, um, the weirdest part about it is knowing what we know about Tony Khan and then him acting like the bad, badass boss and lethal weapon or something, screaming at these guys. I mean, I don't know if that was supposed to be the joke, but oof. Yikes. I feel like this was like MJF being like, you know what would really get Tony in our favor and let us continue to do whatever we want if we asked him to be a part of it. Yeah, I think it yeah, Cornette talks about that. You get like, you know, it's it's getting Dixie Carter in the authority role, you know. You like you want to like get him part of the part of the production so then, you know, if they're part of the show, then they can't quit. They're stars. You know, um, next we have Texas. Okay, this is, I think this is the worst match I've seen this year. I'm going to go out and say it. There's still four and a half months left. Yeah, but Dan, at least it's a match people are going to be talking about a year from now. Texas Chainsaw Massacre death match. Jeff Hardy versus Jeff Jarrett. This was the worst match I've seen all year. I mean, it was just the laziest. I mean, it was a hoot. I, I will say this for better or for worse. Every Jeff Jarrett match is a hoot nanny. Okay. It's a fucking production of like little Abner. It's, it's just like, you know what? It, it, it just feels like everything Jeff Jarrett does feels like almost like, like if Tyler Perry was white, I know that's the weirdest thing in the world, but it's like this, like real fucking broad shit. Um, they start out him and Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy is just dressed like an entire spirit of Halloween store. He, uh, they start fighting backstage, dumping blood on each other. I mean, Karen Jarrett comes in, you know, some of the, like the, the match picture in picture is just these guys kind of stumbling around. Satnam Singh is with overalls. The actual leather face does come down, does nothing. He just kind of like kind of goes up, goes down, 
I felt like Jerry Waller was booking this entire fucking main event. Man, you getting Memphis heat off this one? Is what you're oh, saying? For sure. Uh, well, Jeff Jarrett, Jeff Jarrett's in, Jeff Jarrett's involved, so you're gonna get that Memphis flavor. Adam Singh wins uh, for Jarrett's, and then there's a title. <laughs> it's a fucking chainsaw title that I guess Jarrett has. So we debuted a new title the same week. Because that's what a, that's what AEW needs, baby. They yeah, need more I, titles. I, I, I'm I'm all for it, man. I think you should make that. You gonna you should have that fucking title on every week. Fuck it, it means sure. more to me than the fucking. TNT championship right now. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought this was definitely a match that people will remember when Leatherface came out. You think it's the I, worst match of the year you've seen on TV? Oh, man. I don't. I mean, I'd have to think about it. No, honestly, I enjoyed this more than the pitch black match at Royal Rumble. I think pitch black between Bray Wyatt and LA Knight was worse than this. Well, that was pretty bad. Yeah. Because, because at least like this, we got the like memorable, uh, the, the mummy esque. Uh, kind of entrance from Leatherface for you know, Robocop showed up at WCW. We're still talking about that 25, 30 years later, 35 years later. Uh, you're that's what this is. Leatherface will become a meme, it will have done its job. Everyone rolls their eyes. Uh, I thought I look, hey, you know, was what it was. It's wrestling, baby. All right, well, speaking of wrestling, worst uh, fucking transition ever. Rip Baker versus the Bunny. So, do you have any knowledge? Like, that was that. Uh, was was everything like going on last week as far as like the women's division AEW with uh, what's her face, fucking uh, Lufisto. Lufisto. Do you think there was any water to it? Like, I mean, I've I've talked to people, uh, women that have been in uh, and around the AEW locker room and. Yeah, the women are like the men, right? It seems to be very tribalized these days. There's different camps, and certainly is, you know, little, little Lord of the Fliesy sometimes. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. All right. Well, the acclaimed has a segment. So they get beaten down by uh, House of Black, who's taunting, taunting them for Billy Gunn leaving. Our main event: the Young Bucks versus the Guns. I can't even tell you who fucking. I mean, at, at the very end of it, Young Bucks. So they win, and they they win kind of heelishly. So you're wondering what the dynamic of the match is going to be. Uh, they get beaten down by Bullet Club Gold. FTR comes in for the save. This like last part of it. I mean, you know, and this is this has to do with the fact that these guys have had really good matches before. But um, I am excited about this match. I do, you know, it's it, it for me. It's it's the Young Bucks kind of proving themselves again. Um, I think they can do it. Um, but it also, you know, I think one of the reasons I'm into it is because, you know, hey, there's that chance that maybe Punk shows up, maybe Paige shows up, maybe, you know, when is this, uh, when do the stakes keep, when do the stakes get really raised? But that could be a fool's errand. Um, what do you think about this, Nick? I find it very difficult to believe Tony Khan had the Young Bucks sign for NBA money without some kind of an understanding that at some point, they're going to have to work with Punk. Um, maybe I'm wrong. May I could be wrong. Um, but I know I I know from you know Punk's camp side of things that they wanted they want to have to sit down and work it out and move on as fast as possible. And this is not like a work or anything for the fans. It just doesn't seem viable at the moment. I, I, again, it all goes down to Nick and Matt. If they want this to happen to go forward, it'll go forward. If they don't. 
we are going to continue to spin our wheels and probably see uh, waves of occasional whatever nonsense that distracts from the in-ring product. Do you think it'll get worked out? Hmm. Um, I give it 60-40 that it gets worked out. I'll give it better than half odds. Uh, it's kind of refreshing. All right, so this week we're roasting QT Marshall. This is, uh, I mean, QT has just been endless entertainment for a podcast. You know, we usually do a bright side next. So, I, you know, it's easy to do a bright side for QT Marshall. He made it, man. We're talking about him. He's just, you know, he has the vibe of a guy who doesn't make it. And he made it. Uh, his stuff with Chuck is genuinely fun. He was in the PWI top 500. He has a wife. You know, his wife didn't leave him after that documentary, The Wrestler. I was, you know, if you saw the end of that fucking movie, The Wrestler, uh, QT's documentary, and you were like, all right, this guy's, uh, you know, he's a he's a champion in a major promotion. He's working well in AEW, and he's still married. Or his wife left him, and uh, he's doing indies, and he lives above a gym. You would have, uh, you would probably pick the pick the latter, but you know, uh, he proved everybody wrong, man. And thank you, QT. Uh, I do. I'm pissed off you never did the show. Um, I don't know if our paths were able to cross. Um, any bright side about QT Marshall, Nick? Before I throw a few jokes at you. No, I, I, well, yeah, I will say, yeah, you know, I've seen his documentary as well. Um, and you look at QT and you think about where he was five, six years ago, struggling, aimless, wondering if his dead end job or his whatever, not dead end, but this other job that wasn't wrestling was going to be his life. And yet here he finds now himself now one of those influential people in the second largest pro wrestling promotion in the world. And it, it should be a message to anybody out there right now in a cubicle, slice of deli meat, or doing otherwise tasks that they don't feel are their passion, that, hey, maybe the right opportunity could come along for you, too. Maybe you, too, can be QT Marshall. Oof. That was like the opposite of Horatio Alger's story, but... um. Here we go. Uh, the rest of QT. He's the triple A Latino American champion, which is something he's definitely yelled at in a fight with his wife. What do you mean I can't fuck? I'm the triple A Latino American champion. Uh, QT is the mascot of our podcast, which makes sense because he's also not doing well. His tag team partner in ROH was Damien Priest. So when Judgment Day tagged with Cheat Day, his first gimmick was passing out paper bags for dashing Cody Rose to serve two purposes, to shield people's ugly faces in the crowd and for having something to throw up in if Cody started talking about racism. <laughs> yeah, I finally got Nick. He was trained by Scott Hall, who told him everything he needs to know about sneaking vodka into a movie theater. His first gimmick was eating an apple. Tony took one look at that and said, that's the type of ingenuity we need in creative. <laughs> His relationship with powerhouse Hobbs is the true story of the blind side. Uh, the nightmare, oh. the nightmare oh. factory is what QT's wife calls her womb. Oh my God. Robert Carvelis looks like QT's before picture. 
Jesus. He does. Uh, half of QT's job is sitting with Tony at a diner, spitting at a drink at a waitress and yelling, we said chocolate, not regular milk. Jim Ross compared him to Tony Soprano. There's no way QT will have enough money to die in Italy. And finally, uh, the greatest heel promo QT ever cut was when he told his wife's dad he'd take care of her. Oh, Oh, come on. QT, we love you. I I can't wait to actually listen to the other guys. Uh, Jokes on that. Nick, what do you got to promote? Uh, well, houseofwrestling.com, guys. H-A-U-S of wrestling.com. Head on over. We got lots of exclusive content every single day. Uh, put out some AAA news today, Dan, that's uh, really making some noise on the internet. Yeah, what is, what is this? Uh, yeah, I saw that. It's, uh, who's uh, who's yelling at you today? It's uh, fucking Roosh's manager? It's manager and Roosh got into it with me a couple hours ago. He entered the what, conversation. What did say to you? Told me to retract the story, and I can't, Dan, because the story's accurate. <laughs> he, got, he got two of his friends on the show yeah i yeah yeah well and, and that's that, the thing well, why, is here, big, why is that like a controversial thing right I, I think that okay all right i'm gonna get real quickly get into this because i i have to do my own podcast tomorrow talking about this and i didn't think it was gonna be a big deal right but there are tensions between roosh and triple a booking creatively right and yeah. i know that day of when two people show up and you're just told, Hey, they're part of the match now. And like, this is the main event of triple a mania, the WrestleMania of, you know, Mexico. Um, they have like two a year, but yeah, three a year. Um, there was three this year, you know, uh, yeah. Roosh, but in his response to me, he said, yes, I wanted them there. Like he confirmed our report. I I think that what he's trying to poke at here is that triple a didn't know they were going to be there. Because Dorian Roldan, the president of AAA, knew they were going to be there. But whether or not Dorian relayed to the rest of the people involved in that match or the show that they were actually going to be involved with the actual match and show, I don't know that that was relayed. And so there's a lot of nuance here. But the bottom line is, yeah, Roosh wanted these guys on the show. They got onto the show and they got involved in the main event. And for anybody who saw the main event, main event was a bit of a fire and uh there's a lot to this there's you know it's a lot of things going on here dan but i stand by what i wrote i'm not retracting it they're very upset i understand there's a lot of things going on right now and that and that i don't understand why they're still so pissed off about it so they had a uh so you're basically saying that the reason the match sucks is because i mean i don't understand what they're inferring why they're pissed off you know they're they're upset because why are they upset it's a good question um I'm guessing they're upset because they don't want it to look like Roosh uh, forces buddies onto the show and into a higher spot on the show when maybe other people involved with producing the actual show would have preferred less secondary characters and more focus on those involved with the match. Is that a nice way to put it? Yeah. So, uh, hey, look, Roosh is, you know, if you can't, you know he's not he's not political enough to politic in AEW, so I guess he's gonna he's gonna still throw that around in Triple uh, A. But uh, you heard it here. Nick is sticking with the story, folks. Yeah, yeah. I got I you know I I I went back to my sources after Jose and and Rouge started coming at me, and I you know went Nick House my dad voice on everybody and was really 
grinding them for the details. And I thought about making like a small alteration to the piece, but ultimately I had a lot of people tell me, dude, keep it as is. It's fine. It's good. It's what it is. You know? Yeah. I don't, I don't, and I don't, I don't think you need to worry about it. Yeah. So the story stands. It is what it is. I, I, I like Rouge and Jose's work. I'm bummed to see that they don't like mine, but that's how it goes sometimes. How it goes. How it goes. All right, folks. Until then. Oh, we may have uh Zach will Zach will let everybody know, but you know, we're gonna be doing uh we'll be doing a Patreon this week, but uh we may have a week off because Zach is gonna be in Italy, but uh we shall have no we'll we'll know more about that soon. If not if if that's the case, we will still come back with the uh with the all in results, everybody. Uh here's uh here's Robert and Scott. Until then, wash your hands and uh, blah blah blah. Thanks, Dan and Nick. Uh, I, I'll be honest. I'm assuming Dan and Nick just threw to me. We're we're sort of doing this a little hodgepodge here, which I'm sure Dan theoretically talked about at the beginning of this episode. Uh, Dan just recorded with Nick Hausman. Uh, they did it right after Dynamite, uh, and that's it. You know, ten o'clock at night, they're going to start doing that, and that's that works for. Dan, who as a you know professional comedian and night owl, uh, can go ahead and do that. And Nick is uh, Central Time Zone in Chicago, and when he's not pissing off uh, Jose, the assistant, uh, you know he's got a little bit of time on his hands to be able to to, to watch the show and and talk after. But uh, myself, as a as an old man with uh, you know wife and kids. I'm not going to be able to just drop everything at 10 o'clock at night on a Wednesday night and say, yeah, we're, I'm going to watch dynamite for two hours. And then I'm going to stay up till, you know, 11 30, 12 o'clock at night to talk dynamite uh, and have the nerve, the audacity, the gall uh, to, to roast the greatest of all time QT Marshall. So a little mid show programming note, uh, my my QT Marshall uh, roast and Scott's QT Marshall roast will happen next week. That's right. QT Marshall, the first person ever to get a two-week roast. And can you think of a more benevolent, deserving, incredible human being to get such an honor and a distinction? Than QT Marshall. Uh, Scott was going to record with me today, but due to the fact that he seems he seems to be recording from a 1980s payphone every week, uh, we're going to forego that. He's going to record his directly uh, onto his computer, so he's not dialing in on. Uh, I'm guessing through AOL is how he's been connecting on here. Uh, he is getting his his new Wi-Fi. It'll be set up next week. We'll be back up and running just as as 99% of you love it. There may be one or two of you out there that love the fact that his audio quality is about as good as what Meltzer's is every single week. Uh, but we're working with what we've got, folks. We're, we're, we're doing what we can to bring you easily one of your top 15 or 20 favorite wrestling podcasts of the week. Uh, and uh, those of you who are listening to us on ad-free shows, again, uh, thank you. Uh, first of all, thank you, Dan, for remembering to send it to the ad-free shows, folks. We've been thinking for weeks they were they were burying us and not putting us up there. And then kind of find out, nope, Dan just wasn't sending them in. So, you know, that happens. We're here. We're, we're, we're here to stay. Russell Roast is going to be a thing. Uh, it's going to be a thing for, for months and years to come. Uh, got a lot of fun, exciting stuff planned for you in the in the next coming months as well. 
a uh, little tease here as some uh, some upcoming guests. We're going to have some some guest folks dropping in to uh, to join on the main show. Uh, as always, we we have the Patreon, uh, the five dollar tier. Uh, and then at the $10 tier, there's the something to sports entertainment with level uh, where where I tend to break down raw every week, uh, which is uh, sometimes a little easier than others uh, of late. Hasn't been too bad. I, the, the show overall has been pretty, uh, pretty solid. But the the manna from heaven, the the gift that keeps on giving of late has been uh, AEW Dynamite and I'll be honest. Uh, again, I don't know what Dan and Nick said. Uh, Dan did not share the audio with the rest of us. So I'm going to have to go back and listen to the rest of the show, just like the rest of you. So you already know what they thought. They may have thought, man, best episode of Dynamite ever. Knocked it out of the park. Home run, grand slam. Man, all in. They are just cooking with gas. Um, I try to be fair. Generally speaking, I do try to be fair when it comes to AEW, uh, I, I know people think otherwise. I'm the I'm the AEW hater. I'm the WWE homer, whatever, what have you, uh, and that's fine. And I do tend to try to point out a lot of my uh, friends within the wrestling sphere are AEW talent uh, or AEW production uh, or AEW commentators. So I very much want to see AEW kind of put this thing together uh, and continue to be successful. And when they first came out, when they first debuted, there was a real excitement to what Dynamite was doing. It was new. It was different. It was a novel entertainment product that was not tainted uh, by Vince McMahon's strange edicts, uh, his his whims, the the very draconian methodology by which he produces his television. And yes, I was part of that factory. Uh, I was part of that world of you need to churn out TV every week and survive. And survival was key. You were not going to go in there and be successful by saying, hey, Vince, here are like the 50 things you're doing wrong that we as fans absolutely despise. And you got to fix it. He doesn't care. You go in, you do what he wants. The the whole, it's his sandbox. Uh, so when people saw that AEW was going to happen, there was an excitement because it's another guy's sandbox. Not only is it another guy's sandbox, it's Tony Khan, who is a couple months older uh, than I am. So he's right around the age of, of, of me and Mike and slightly older than Dan and like, you know, 35 years older than Scott, who I, I think is 11. I'm I'm honestly not sure. He's a very tall 11-year-old. Uh but like Tony grew up the way that that we did with with being a a childhood Hulkamaniac uh or or a warrior fan remembering what it was uh to see Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth get married. Uh remembering what it was to see Mr. Perfect versus Bret Hart at SummerSlam or the Iron Man match or the birth of Austin 316 or how cool ECW was as a discovery when you were a a, a kid and a young fan and you're seeing this really unique edgy product or most importantly the Monday Night Wars. Like everything that helped shape and form us as wrestling fans is what helped shape and form Tony Khan as a wrestling fan. And the fact that he happens to have 
the billions of dollars necessary to create his own television show, you get like, great, let's see what this guy can do. Maybe he can buck the trend. Maybe he can fix what's wrong in a lot of what the presentation of wrestling is and give us a true alternative product. And at first, it was novel, it was new, it was exciting, and everybody was, pardon the pun, all in. Then the pandemic hit. And the pandemic, in a lot of ways, was the best thing to happen to AEW because all of a sudden, they don't have to tour. And touring, logistically, extremely difficult. Having to constantly route trucks, having to constantly book everyone's travel, hotel, airfare, delays, issues with building configurations, all of these problems that can befall a new company we're out the window. Hey, we're we're running Daly's place. Not only that, Pop basically owns the joint. We got free reign here. We can do what we want. We're recording a backyard wrestling show because it's literally Tony Khan's backyard that just happens to be a large outdoor amphitheater. On top of which, because it was the pandemic, who cares if we don't have, we don't have to sell tickets? We can we can populate it with wrestling fans. We can you know put them strategically like distance. Remember remember COVID. You guys remember, remember there was that COVID thing where we all had to be socially distanced and really far apart from each other. Uh, so you can just put people in little pockets and we just ignore how it looks on TV. And then every week, they just had to focus on two hours of television. One two-hour broadcast every week. We were just happy to have some form of entertainment to watch. And that was really all you needed. And... I would see a lot of the problems and issues that AEW was running into, but it didn't really matter. Uh, it didn't matter, number one, because you're still in Daly's Place week after week. You don't have to sell tickets. You don't have to worry about, is this going to play in Minnesota the same way it's going to play in California, the same way it's going to play in London? Just got to basically turn the lights on, put a show on, and here you go. And it's also Tony's money. Uh, it's There is no board of directors. There is no shareholder that he has to answer to. It's, it's literally just him and Shad and Shad's mustache. And those are the only people who are the arbiters of what is successful or not successful. So as much as we all want this thing to, to really work out uh, and work out beautifully, it doesn't really matter as long as Tony is happy doing what it is that he is doing. So we all kind of shout into the void and say, here's how I would like to see this done. Or here's how I wish this could be done differently. And I say that because I want there to be a place where people that I like, people that I respect, people that I get along with have an opportunity to, to earn a living, ply their craft, and produce an alternative product. Having that alternative product more than anything else, gave Triple H the freedom to kind of spruce things up a little bit with WWE. We, we saw it in, in NXT at first. We've seen it on the main broadcast. And WWE programming has gotten significantly better over time. 
Are there criticisms? Absolutely. Do I have criticisms of them? I certainly do. And if you're uh, something to sports entertainment with uh, subscribers, a cheap plug right there, you hear it all the time. We don't usually talk raw on, on this show. And occasionally we talk SmackDown like once or twice. Primarily, the thing we're talking about here more often than not is Dynamite. It, it's the It's the show, whether you love it, hate it, you're going to have an opinion about it. Uh, and and that's what we do here. That is my little preamble to get to my snippet of Dynamite or Dud. Dynamite opens with Orange Cassidy versus Wheeler Yuta. Uh, and since Mike's not on, he's he's on a plane right now, so he cannot defend himself. So I can just openly praise how great Wheeler Yuta is uh, and talk about that. Yes, Wheeler Yuta and Orange Cassidy legitimately our friends uh yuda was the person who first turned me on to what orange cassidy was doing i remember him showing me footage of him on his phone he's like this guy is great you're gonna love him i got the the shtick and i i know i've told this on here before the the mindset at the time in, in mlw yes i'm left alone so of course i mentioned mlw within like the first five minutes it's just a bingo card of stuff that annoys mike lawrence and i think that's what makes this the most fun um we didn't bring orange cassidy in because the idea was well we kind of already have joey ryan who's doing that suspension of disbelief wrestling gimmick uh and in hindsight you know pick the uh pick the wrong one Perfectly honest. Pick the wrong one. Uh, Orange and Yuta had a very good back and forth match. Uh, it was athletic. It was competitive. Good solid opener. Orange can do good solid openers on TV. Him getting the kind of fluke pin on Yuta uh, was fine to further the storyline. And then Blackpool Combat Club descend and attack Orange Cassidy uh, in the ring. Uh, good little beatdown till the best friends come running out to make the save. Uh, and then as they're getting overwhelmed, the Lucha Bros come out. Blackpool grabbing chairs like it's, uh, you know, uh, that uh, that that thing that happened in Alabama, which New Day referencing on uh, on TV. That was we're weaving in popular culture, folks. It's uh, it's something else. Uh, Eddie Kingston makes his return. Uh, funny enough, on the uh, on the group text, we were talking about all in the other day. And I said the big disappointment I have is. I really wish Eddie Kingston was back to be on All In because I want there to be uh, video segments and vignettes of just Eddie Kingston in London getting annoyed with British culture, driving on the wrong side of the road, warm beers, uh, color with a U, just random stuff. Like I, angry Eddie Kingston is is fun. It's like uh, it's like Larry David, but violent and. I'm all for a violent Larry David. Uh, this uh, this brawl is all meant to set up stadium stampede at All In. Tony Khan clearly got the memo. Hey, guys, we, we got to start announcing matches for this. And I know Scott will probably say it later. And if he was here now, he would be like, you guys don't get it. You're idiots. These were all amazing stories. And Tony knew what he was. Tony didn't know what he was doing. He, he, he's pulling stuff out. And there's a number of levers you can pull. And it's like, yeah, let's do Stadium Stampede. Is it going to be fun? Sure. You got the best friends. You got the Lucha Bros. You got uh, Eddie Kingston. Uh, so that's uh, six guys right there. Uh, Blackpool Combat Club is uh, is three guys. So they got to go pull three more guys to throw in there for the Stadium Stampede. Uh, people getting paydays. Names on a card. Love all that. The challenge 
if there is a challenge here is that outside of the fact we just kind of did a, a, a multi-man match with a bunch of surprise entrants for Blood and Guts not that long ago, it's now Blackpool Combat Club who are going to be bringing in surprise combatants, and those by design get a babyface pop. Okay, well, it's going to be us and fill in the blank. It's a it's a new name. It's a different name. It's an exciting name. Um, I don't know. We'll we'll see what it is. It's a solid match to add on the show. It's getting a lot of guys a payday. It's getting them in front of that massive, massive crowd that AEW has pulled. Uh, I just pulled a Dan and, and held in a burp. Uh, I'm literally just one dog bark away. And now that I do have a puppy... Uh, it is a possibility, but I would never, ever get mad at my my lovely dog, Barty McFly. Uh, he's the best. Uh, who I will get mad at is this uh, Kenny Omega, Jim Ross, sit-down interview at Daly's Place. I get that we can't put Kenny Omega in front of a live microphone. Completely understand it. He has a a... a clumsy goofiness when he talks that it just doesn't sound authentic it's like a high school production of Shakespeare sometimes and it lacks a certain sense of authenticity and because of that they kind of realize like all right we can let Kenny go out there say a couple words do the you know gunpoint kissing goodnight that's fine um Long-form speeches should be left to sit-down interviews. This sit-down interview, not ideal. Number one, the fact that he was kind of positioning Don Callis as someone who was grooming him. He was hanging out with my uncle when I was this young guy and uh, this young boy, and he was encouraging me to to weightlift and take all these supplements. And uh, you don't need friends your age. Just kind of hang out with me and let's wrestle. Like, this is some Sandusky level. What the fuck are we watching here? Um Kenny and Jim Ross having the little back and forth. Kenny trying to say like, well, he's my uncle. I should really kind of forgive him. Uh, And then Don Callis just appears. uh, So he knew when they were filming, he flew to Jacksonville. It's wrestling. You suspend disbelief. It's fine. Uh, And then uh, Takeshita and Bullet Club Gold jump Kenny, beat the hell out of him. He's a bloody mess. He's going to the hospital. Uh, We then get Hangman, who's supposedly – uh, at the uh, at the hospital, even though it's clearly one of those uh, metal grates that they have in the back of an arena, uh, an arena that CM Punk was willing to let him into. So we're thankful for that, where he's drinking a beer, uh, talking about how Kenny is hurt, but it's going to be a, a six-man tag at All In. It's going to be Hangman Page, Kota Ibushi, and Kenny Omega versus Bullet Club Gold and uh, Takeshita again. People assumed we were going to get a one-on-one match. We were going to get Kenny and Takeshita. I don't know if they're saving that for something else. They don't have the confidence in Takeshita to deliver uh, an epic one-on-one match. Uh, It's a way to get Jay White on the show, which is always a plus. Uh, It's a way to get Juice Robinson on the show, which will make Scott happy. And I will try very hard to hold back my general feelings of Juice Robinson. Uh you get the Kota Ibushi, Kenny Omega thing again. Uh, you get Hangman on there. It's a six-man. It it it, it kind of feels meaningless 
like it, I get it has a story to it, but it's a little who cares. Uh, but it's something we're trying to make it a personal issue when we know the more interesting personal issue we want to see uh, that we're not necessarily going to see. Uh, next up, Don Callis again. Uh, Don Callis, you know, appeared in the Kenny video that was obviously taped another day. Name checked in the Hangman promo, then immediately in the ring for this segment with Chris Jericho. It's a whole lot of Don Callis, folks. So, you know, strap in. He's got pictures of Tony doing God knows what. Uh, and he better hold on to them like uh, like grim death. Uh, he brings out Jericho to ask him if he's joining his uh, the Don Callis family. And Jericho throws a swerve at you, bro, uh, and says yes. And Don's like, oh, cool uh they they do the bit with the uh with the picture jericho was like hey let me see this picture He's like oh don't worry about it it's a cool picture i'll show it to you later turns out it's a picture of don holding jericho's severed head he expected jericho to to swerve him so he was gonna be ready with the double swerve uh on the single swerve which is just russo within russo within russo it's like inception uh jericho's super pissed off he's like what the hell, dude? And Don, in his defense, is like, Chris, you're, you're kind of a piece of shit. Like, you've been a piece of shit for a very long time. Uh, I fully expected you to say no, and I wanted to be ready. Uh, we get uh, Jakeshta, who then attacks Jericho. And then as Jericho is starting to fight back, we get Will Ospreay coming out there uh, in gray sweatpants, to, which I know just pisses Mike off, so that's why I'm just – I'm just mentioning that. And I, I feel like I need to be like the the uh, the avatar for Mike since he's not on this week. Like Dan will have his opinion, Scott will have his opinion, Mike's takeaway, and then it's like, why are you why are you bringing the guy here? He's just wearing uh, he's just wearing sweatpants. That's my that's my voice. I'm going with him. It's like a weird fake Jay Leno. We go with it. We roll with it. Uh, Osprey leaves Jericho bloodied. Sammy Guevara runs out for the save. So I guess we're getting uh, Will Osprey and Chris Jericho. At all in, which has been the rumor. Uh, Scott talked about it last week that he thought this was going to be like the exact setup. Uh, and we get a bloodied Chris Jericho. So Kenny Omega jumped and bloodied. Uh, Chris Jericho jumped and bloodied. I'm sure there's no reason I'm bringing this up. I'm sure that won't occur later on in the show. Uh, Jack Perry has a little video package where he talks about how he's going to retire the FTW title next week. Look, it's 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 everything I want from Jack Perry segment. It's short. He's douchey, and we're done. Love it. Perfect. Book it. Uh, we get uh, Nick Wayne and Darby Allen versus the Kings of Agony. Uh, the uh, – yeah. Uh, Kings of Agony jump Nick Wayne and Darby Allen during their entrance, uh, which I'm sure, again, not mentioning here because it's going to come up later or anything. Everything's fresh and new, folks. Fresh and new. Uh, we get Swerve and A.R. Fox who are out there uh, watching this go down. Uh, Nick and Darby somehow pull out the win. Kings of Agony, nice dudes, super nice guys. Uh, when I when I met them, they talked about like kids and just really we, they're they're faceless, nameless people. They're other guys in Ring of Honor. Uh, they're part of Mogul Embassy, as is Brian Cage, as is. Uh, Baby Brock Lesnar, who was there and then vanished, and then the dude covered in tattoos who kind of looked like Killer Croc uh, from uh, Suicide Squad, um, who I, I guess I know he's in other like Batman canon. Relax. I'm just using that as the as the reference point. Um, we get uh, on the screen. 
Joker Sting. If if again, if Mike Lawrence had a high spot of the week, this was going to be his high spot. He texted us. He's like, dude, Joker Sting's back. Um, he has Prince Nana kidnapped. He's in full on wacky mode uh, and announces that we're going to get a coffin match at uh, at all in. Sure. Again, taking a kind of whatever story that's been existing, throwing a gimmick on it, uh, feels a little TNA-ish, where it's like, all right, we're gonna get, we're gonna do these guys. It's gonna be in a stadium stampede match. We're gonna do this match. All right, it's gonna be a coffin match. We're trying to stack card. We're trying to make this thing a big deal. It's Sting. You don't want to see Sting in a regular match, I guess. You want to put him in a coffin match. Uh, on the Patreon, once we reviewed the uh, the coffin match with him and Vampiro, or was it an Inferno match or some nonsense like that, he does wacky gimmicks. It'll be fine. Uh, yeah. Uh, MJF and Adam Cole are at an Outback Steakhouse. It's, it's very funny. It's very just good, fresh, vibrant, mid-card. Uh, nonsense goofiness. I keep saying this is Max's audition reel for WWE to show that he can do a little bit of everything. Uh, the the hunting uh, crocodiles, uh, inflatables in the back, uh, and attacking a janitor. That was funny. Getting over the kangaroo kick in the video package. Just Max has a great eye for uh, comedy. Uh, he knows what works. It's goofy. It's fun. Tony Khan. Oh, this is just manna from heaven. This is this is the stuff that makes me excited, folks. This is what keeps me engaged. This is why I want Tony Khan on TV literally every single week. Uh, the gag is Tony has pulled them into his office to yell at them for attacking the backstage personnel. And then when the door opens, he's goofy, wacky, happy Tony Khan. I love this so much. I just... I. Like like Madeline Kahn and Clue just just flames on the side of my face at, at how happy I was with this. Give me this Tony Khan every week. I want this all the time. Uh, absolutely fantastic. A million stars. A million Scotty Melcher flaming bowling pins for this moment right here. I'm all in on that. Uh, we got MJF and Cole in the ring. Are we getting a little too much of a good thing? Possibly, but they again bring up the kangaroo kick. Crowd chance for the kangaroo kick. This thing's already over. I'm sure by now they have a t-shirt for it on sale somewhere. If not, make the friggin' t-shirt, put it out there, sell it, give the money to the Maui Relief Fund, which was what Fight for the Fallen was sponsored by. Like, literally, you call it Fight for the Fallen, and it's about the, the tragedy in Maui. There's tone deaf, and then there's that. Like, like, oh, God, just it's like somebody backstage made a really sick, messed up joke. And then Tony took it seriously. And then this is what we got. Um, Cole gives his impassioned speech as to why he needs to win, uh, that he came back from this concussion. He was told he was never going to wrestle again. And here he is in the main event of the biggest show of the year. He's got to win the title. Max gives his story about how he scratched and clawed and fought to get his way on the first all-in and he needs to cement his legacy uh, and then Aussie open jumped them and we're setting up that uh, that opening match great segment 
crowd was having a blast. This goofy babyface MJF stuff is so much fun. And I know I keep bringing it back to the Eddie Batista thing, but the problem we were running into when we had Eddie being the fake babyface is the crowd loved him so much. We're like, we're going to be stuck with him as a real babyface. I think the crowd, we're going to be stuck with Max as a real babyface if they keep doing this because he's probably the most over babyface they have on Dynamite. This thing is selling merchandise like crazy, and he's clearly having fun. And you can always pull the trigger and have him turn heel again at some point in time. Uh, Jericho in the back, covered in blood, issuing the challenge to Will Ospreay. Uh, very dramatic. You get that little that that tinge of blood right there, and you're like, man, blood can be effective. Then we get the Texas Chainsaw Massacre match. All right. It's Jeff Jarrett versus Jeff Hardy. So it's already Super TNA. We're in Nashville. So it's already Super TNA. Was this the worst match of the year? I'd have to go back and watch that Mountain Dew match with... uh, Bray Wyatt, and L.A. Knight. But this was really, really bad. Um, That being said, as the shill, as the, the soulless corporate whore that I am, I am willing to fully and completely go all in on the fact that I love that this is a sponsored match. Um, I love that this is goofy nonsense involving you know Matt Hardy who we already know suspends disbelief uh everything they do with the Jarrett stuff where you're not taking him seriously you're suspending disbelief you have Leatherface out there running around like a goof uh there's buckets of fake blood which again we just saw Jericho with the intensity in the blood Kenny with the intensity in the blood and then you got this with the buckets of fake you know uh viscous liquid what did they used to say when it was like the brood attacks uh because they weren't allowed to say like like bloodbath and it was like oh that thick viscous liquid uh the WWE thesaurus is just unbeatable um they got paid a hundred thousand dollars for this and Tony donated every penny of it to the Maui relief so I love that uh, I'm all for maximizing sponsorship dollars. Uh, I just I, I'm always going to be that guy. If you can find a way to increase revenue, you do it. Um, you know, bring back the karate fighters tournament for all I care. If you're going to get paid for it, you find a way to make it work and show your corporate overlords uh, and show advertisers we're here. WWE did a fantastic job of this a couple times this year. Uh, we saw it with the Slim Jim Battle Royal. Uh, we saw it with the the C4 Energy sponsored match. Um, we had it with that cinnamon toast crunch match during the Ray Dominic thing, uh, the Mountain Dew match. Integrate it, bring products in, sponsor it, sell it, get paid. I'm all for it. Was this absolutely terrible? Yes. Uh, were there moments of it that were so bad that it was good? Eh, kinda. Um, but. Uh, you know, it, it look, it, it's not going to get any worse than a Texas Chainsaw Massacre match with Jeff Hardy and Jeff Jarrett. Uh, even if you stop for a second and realize that Karen got chased away by Leatherface, which helped create the distraction to help Jeff Jarrett beat Jeff Hardy. Uh, but again, 
This is an ad of continuity. This is just a long commercial. If you just think of this as a long commercial, you're fine. I'm sure what they got next is going to be great. And it's Britt Baker versus the bunny. Fuck. So, I look, I know it's fashionable to rip on the AEW women's division. Uh, right now, I know they're they're having problems. I know it's fashionable to say like they're not as good as what WWE is producing. I was very critical of that SummerSlam match uh, last week, the uh, the the triple threat match, the the Oscar Charlotte Bianca match. I did not think was up to their level. This match did no one any favors. Um, at least it was short. They did have a commercial break in there, but Bunny. Not very good. Uh, Britt, when she doesn't have somebody strong to work with, she can't carry a match. And I think back to her, you know, ripping on the performance center. I'm not saying this to be a dick. I really am not. I think she is someone who would benefit from some time in the WWE performance center. I, I think that the challenge that these women have is they don't get the kind of reps that they need. Uh, they're wrestling maybe once a week. They're, the AEW house show roster run is not that robust. And yes, they could work some indies, but then you're wrestling on indie shows with, with talent of various degrees. That doesn't really help anybody. Um, I think that they just they just need the reps. They have some really talented agents. Dean Malenko is an all-time agent. Jerry Lynn is a fantastic agent uh, that they have working backstage to help these women. But there's only so much you can do if they're wrestling once a week or once every other week. Um, it's just – it's tough, and you see it in these matches. Uh, the acclaimed come out to uh, wrestle two bald guys, one of whom is uh, is Chico Adams. Uh, Chico Adams has been an extra in WWE for the last several years. He's been an EMT. He's wrestled. He's been a backstage just like body who's there. Super nice guy. Worked with him in MLW. Uh, just good to see him get out there for a moment. Uh, acclaimed do their little rap. They get in the ring. The lights go out when they come back on. It is a house of black. And uh, they beat the hell out of the acclaimed. And we get, wait for it, blood. We get Max Caster left busted open. That is now the third time on this show where we're getting blood. Um, look at your script. This is just a good like writing. Look at your look at your format sheet. Look at your show. See what is happening. See what is being represented. And if it's happening twice or three times on a broadcast, you're gonna lose the impact for it. Um, it's also tough to get really worked up about the blood after we watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre one where there was the big bucket of fake blood. It's just a sensory thing. You, you see it and then you see this. It doesn't really have the same effect. It's a great segment in a vacuum. It was well put together. It advanced the story. Them taking Billy Gunn's boots was a nice touch, but you really want to maximize the impact. I mean, it just didn't truly happen. Thrilled to see the acclaim back on Dynamite, by the way. Main event, the Bucks versus the Guns. Uh, the Guns are coming out, and the Bucks jump them on the entrance again, just like we saw earlier with, with Nick Wayne and Darby Allen. And if you're listening to this going, well, who cares? 
there are plenty of people who do care or there's people who are watching it who don't understand why this does not feel like it should have impacted them the way that it should have. There is a little bit of a psychology to this, I, I promise you. Um, it's not just complaining for complaining's sake. Uh, fine back and forth match with the guns and the bucks. I think the guns have gotten significantly better over the last few years. They, they've gotten in much better shape. Um, they just – they look like a, a big time tag team. And I think that's pretty fantastic. Uh, we get uh, the, the, the finish, the bucks, uh, you know, quasi cheat to beat the guns, which is fine. This remember became a blood feud match of sorts because uh, the guns are friends at bullet club gold, bullet club gold jumped Kenny earlier. Uh, so it kind of backdoor fit into this thing. Bullet club gold come out to jump, the the bucks after and then ftr comes to make the save uh good thing they were there during essentially the overrun and then to end the show while the bucks have their backs turned it looks like ftr is going to hit them with shatter machine which is literally the exact same spot adam cole and mjf did an hour earlier i don't want to say there's a recurring theme that i'm trying to point out here guys but there's a recurring theme I'm trying to point out here. Like I'm begging them to uh, to to talk to one another. I'm begging them to look at the, the the TV and and be like, oh, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't do the same thing twice in one broadcast. Um, but you know, what the hell do I know? What I do know. Time for uh, my high spot and low spot of the week. Um, my my high spot of the week. It was a small thing, but it was. Uh, I thought pretty fantastic. Uh, so my low spot last week was Sonya Deville getting hurt. Chelsea on Raw uh, was going to do a Chelsea's Got Talent segment to find a new tag partner. And then out of nowhere, Piper Niven shows up. She beats up Caden and Casey, just takes the title belt and just goes, I'm now your tag partner. Makes absolutely no sense. It's just goofy and weird. I think Piper Niven's awesome. I'm glad that she's getting an opportunity. I think her and Chelsea are going to be a really interesting – uh, dynamic. My low spot of the week. Uh, I have two, uh, three. This is two from Raw, uh, and and one just in general. Uh, the first was the Trish Stratus Becky Lynch match on Raw. Uh, not a good match. Um, just uh, Trish, super nice lady. Uh, that was a weird thing to say. Just a really, just she, but she is. She's a very nice person. She's she loves wrestling. She she constantly gives back to the sport. Uh, it's great. This match, this wasn't it. Uh, and the fact that we're now going to get a cage match after, I don't love. Um, I said last week I didn't understand why they went with Nakamura and not Drew. And then Drew is on this week looking even more lost and is now teaming with Riddle, which feels like you're setting up a heel turn for Drew, which will be significantly less impactful because we just saw it with Nakamura. So not a fan of, of either of those uh, those situations. And then obviously all the CM Punk stuff, um, the, the banning of Ryan Nemeth and Christopher Daniels and Hangman Page, who I know he says he didn't ban, but yet Hangman was banned and Matt Hardy. And it's it's a lot of nonsense. I get that Tony Khan, uh, on-screen personality extraordinaire, uh, easily my, my TV character of the year based solely on this. He just managed to eclipse uh, Christian's daughter. But uh, 
you gotta you gotta get this thing shored up. I mean, there are reports that people are fed up with with this. They were upset about all in, not knowing what the hell was going on. I knew we threw a bunch of matches this week. Um the 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 hangman stuff is is really ugly. Um, having him banned, doing the promo about action figures. Yes, a punk supposedly apologized after the fact, but guys, get it in the ring, make some money off of this, or just move the fuck on. Uh, it's not helping the product at all. I, as I said at the top of my little sh- you know spiel here, I want AEW to succeed just as much as anybody else. And the actions and the behavior of grown men who call themselves EVPs and grown men who call themselves veterans who are working for the betterment of the business uh, are are behaving like Shawn Michaels in 1998. And at least Shawn in 98 could blame it on the drugs. Um, oh, and my final high spot is the uh, the report that when CM Punk returned – uh, Tony Khan stood up in gorilla and started fist pumping and yelling CM Punk, CM Punk. Uh, this was sent to me by several people, including folks in two other professional wrestling organizations, uh, one of whom, one program they may be seen on a Monday night, the other one may be seen on whatever the fuck Impact airs on. Uh, but he is the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, we love you, Tony. More importantly, we love you, uh, Forbidden Dorks. Uh, that's going to do it for my portion of this, uh, my little plugs. You can follow me on Twitter or X or whatever the fuck it's called at Creative underscore I-S-H. Uh, and if you want to hear my my full thoughts on this week's Raw and every week's Raw, uh, you can check out the Something to Sports Entertainment with Patreon tier. Uh, but without further ado, here is in crystal clear HD audio, Scott Chaplin. <laughs> Here I am in crystal clear HD audio. I th- I think I hope I I'm not sure. Sorry about again. Yeah, you get it. Okay. Oh boy. Did it, did I feel like uh like visiting a nursing home? Right. And it's like I love my grandmother, but boy does she complain a lot, a lot. <laughs> okay. Okay. Dynamite or dud. Here we go. Um. Oh, actually, you know what? Joker sting. And here we go. Yeah, that was bad, Scott. Boo, boo. Okay, uh, first match on Dynamite was Orange Cassidy versus Wheeler, Utah. What can I say, man? This was a solid match. It just was. I know you go, oh, my God, up top, you're going to compliment the first thing. Uh, Yeah, it was very good. It just was. Um. I give it an OC thumbs up and a Wheeler, Utah. (laughs) The match was solid. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of this. I'm by myself uh, at 11 o'clock at night. Uh, Bored. And, you know, my dog is asleep. I'm going to wake her up. Okay, okay, okay. Here we go. So, yeah, I I, I genuinely enjoyed the match. There were some really, really uh, great moments. There always is with these two Blackpool Combat Club came out at the end of the match then the best friends came out then Penta and Phoenix came out to help then Eddie Kingston uh dude I liked this I know you go oh this is a lot it's always a lot it's especially always a lot with Blackpool Combat Club because there's so many of them so it's supposed to be a lot and I am also going to say this I promise you, Stadium Stampede, this match, it's, it's better than any John Moxley singles match 
that anybody is pretending they want. Um, does this card lack singles matches? Yeah, we'll talk about that uh, a bit later. But John Moxley does not need a singles match here, uh, especially versus people go, oh, John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston. No, this is better. Uh, one, you get uh, a lot of guys on the card, but that's not even one. That's not even one, even though that's a fun enough excuse. Uh, I also think it's just going to create big moments for, for everybody involved. Um, and, and really just better than than anything Blackpool Combat Club could have done. Also, you have to remember with Blackpool Combat Club, their name is Blackpool Combat Club, and they have nothing to do with Blackpool, uh, England, because William Regal is gone. And so now you're going to the UK, and there's this team named after a part of England. So when they have three guys they have to announce, in my head, I think you have to make them English guys. I know one of them can be Shota Umino, but I think Danielson, you know, a member of this group, again, part of the reason they're they're not that great is he's gone. Um, but I think Danielson should, should say, hey um, – I pick Zack Sabre Jr. I think he represents kind of what they're about, right? Zack Sabre Jr., also a guy that has paved the way for um, English English uh, pro wrestling, at least in the last, you know, 15, 20 years. Um, we love Zack Sabre. I do think he deserves a spot on All In. I know that's weird to say when there's so many AEW talent that deserves it, uh, but I think this is a fun way to do it. I also think, imagine Zack Sabre is the one who takes – Maybe not the pin, but he walks away from Blackpool Combat Club, which, yes, happens often. Um, and, like, Danielson uh, is mad at him, and that's how we get Danielson versus Zack Sabre Jr., because that will happen eventually. Anyway, I'm fantasy booking. That's going to happen a lot, because I'm uh, all by myself. Okay, don't want to be. Uh, okay, so uh, what else happened? Um, oh, maybe Nigel McGuinness, too. I've heard he might come out of retirement. Again, these, these are going to be pops for Blackpool Combat Club entrance. But who cares, man? It's, it's, it's a stadium stampede in a giant stadium. It is going to be a lot of fun. A lot of stupid, stupid fun um, with a lot of key players, uh, fun, important moments. This, oh, lack of storyline thing. It's just not true. Everybody in this has been feuding uh, for months now. Um, so just, Hey, give it to us this way, because again, we do not need a John Moxley singles match. He is not the one who needs a singles match. Now onto the one who maybe deserved one, but we'll talk uh, more about that too. We get Omega's sit down interview with JR, right? Um, it's edited like shit. The cuts to JR were bad. I'm sorry. I don't want to be too negative, and I won't be. Trust me. I will not be. Uh, the feud with Don and Kenny is layered. I've told you guys that. I know that. Uh, but I think the way Kenny was explaining it was a bit jumping from point to point when it should have been more direct. Um, I love Bullet Club Gold. I think they are the best part of Collision, and I think Collision is a good show. So I, do I might say Bullet Club Gold is maybe the most entertaining thing in pro wrestling right now. Jay and Juice, uh, they're they're kings in in my book. Uh, but you know, damn, it was filmed like ass. The the attack was filmed bad. Cutting to Jr. Um, while they were beating up Kenny was filmed poorly. 
I like the Takeshita footage uh, of Kenny and him in DDT. I thought that was so cool. Uh, I think Kenny sounded normal, actually. I, I, you know, I, I know Robert acknowledged that Kenny does have a tendency to act robotic. Um, I think he does. I, I think this wasn't that. I think he was laid back. Maybe a little too laid back, but I do think he was laid back. I think, again, it's just he was jumping um, from a few uh, – from a lot of places. And and it just – it didn't come off very coherent. Um, and, yeah, again, the, that beatdown editing is, like, all-time shit, man. Like, wow. It's like some Tommy Wiseau, the room shit. And, you know, no one involved did – did any real favors except juice juice rules man juice is very funny i don't care what anybody says okay uh now you have hangman at the hospital right which again filmed like ass obviously not at a hospital which robert uh, acknowledged i actually i don't mind hangman announcing this match um i want or wanted a kenny singles match in london I think, again, unlike Moxley, Kenny is someone that you go, Kenny Omega, singles match. He's the best wrestler in the fucking world. Um, he tells the best in-ring stories. And so give us a singles match in front of 80,000 people. Uh, I do not think it should have been Osprey or Punk. Uh, I, personally, I genuinely don't. I think it I think it could have been Takeshita. I know uh, Robert saying AEW might not trust Takeshita. I, I, I heard him say that. That is silly and not true. Uh, Takeshita is a problem. He is so good at singles wrestling. That's part of the reason he is sort of uh, this this Kenny Omega heir, right? Like Don Callis is taking him and going, okay, well, now you're the new better Kenny. It's because they know how good he is. He's that fucking good. Um, And that singles match will be amazing. Uh, Anyway, uh, what was I even... Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so I, I do, I, obviously I do think that this is a way to get all these talented, but the, the announcement of this match, uh, yeah, you know, not just on this show, like getting Hangman on the show, which again, I go, wow, Hangman probably deserves a singles, right? Kenny deserves a singles. Hangman deserves a singles. Um, Jay and Juice deserve a match. In a perfect world, I'd say Jay deserves a singles, but no, Jay and Juice are, you know, they have been a unit and they are good, so they do deserve a match, and Takeshita deserves a match. So now here's what happens with this match, though, or I think what's happening with this match, and um, a, a moment in 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 this poorly filmed Hangman segment uh, sort of revealed where I think they're going. I'm going to repeat all this next week when we do AEW predictions, but I'm going to give you a little sneak preview right now. Um, so, okay. People go like, Oh, there's no story to a, uh, a three on three, a trios match with this. Uh, and I just think there's so much story to this. There's been this, okay, ready? There's been this long story with Kenny and Don. There's this long story with Don and Takeshita and Kenny. This long story with Kenny and Jay White. Yes, it's a New Japan story um, that's been hinted on TNA and I think Dynamite during the pandemic. But it is there and it's a phenomenal story. Uh, This long story with, with, with Jay and the Bullet Club and... Uh, this long story with Hangman and Kenny, this long story with Hangman and Jay, that's also in New Japan, this long story with Abushi and Kenny, this long story with Abushi and Jay, what, like, 
it's it's connect the dots of long stories and 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 the main the focal point this man that we wanted a singles out of he is the core uh, uh, of this story and now here we go ready here's the part of this this bad hangman segment that i think is important hangman was holding a drink which means he's drinking again which mean means punk has him drinking again the state of AEW has him drinking again the state of something has him drinking again Sure, it's for some pops because someone could hand him a beer at Wembley, but it's also because he's off a little. Just like Kota Ibushi has admitted, he's injured. And he actually, after they announced the match, he tweeted, even though I'm injured, I will be there for Kenny. So I think what we're going to get out of this is we're going to get the the best friends, the most important characters in Kenny's career are really, you know, in terms of storyline in AEW, it's Hangman. And in, in the grand scheme of things, it's Kota Ibushi, these complicated stories. They are going to show up for their friend as he faces some of his biggest adversaries in, in Jay White um, Bullet Club, which is Juice Robinson and Jay White, and Don Callis uh, and Takeshita, who is, again, like this new robot, better version of Kenny, apparently. So his friends are going to come help him, even though they're not doing too great. And I think in this match, if you want to make it great, you you kind of show that Coda isn't 100%. You kind of show, oh, Hangman is drinking again. That is interesting. Wait, is that a good thing? Uh, I don't know if they're going to do that, but God, I would love that. Um, but I do think what you are going to get out of this match, 100%, are the Kenny singles moments. Because they no doubt understand we want Kenny matches. And so what we are going to get is, at some point, is Kenny on his own. Now, does that... I also think that means he might lose this match. They might lose this match. But I think Kenny is going to be one-on-one at some point with Jay White in a long period of time where everybody's freaking out. Oh my God, we thought we weren't going to get a Kenny singles, but doesn't this feel like a Kenny singles? Uh, Kenny staring down Takeshita. Oh my God, we thought we weren't going to get a Kenny singles, but doesn't this feel like a Kenny singles? So many fun fucking moments. By the way, Hangman, like lost in all this uh, CM Punk drama and, 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 and bad storytelling and bad storylines, is that Hangman knows how to tell a fucking story in the ring, uh, as does Coda, even though he's hurt and puffy. And I, and I hate that he's really, I hate that he's even showing up, but also it's like, okay, give us the story, but make him, don't, don't make him unstoppable. Reveal that he's hurt and he's there for Kenny because he's fucking hurt and he's not 100%. And so let that be a part of the story of the match. Just like, cause that's, what's so great about the golden lovers. You go back and watch golden lovers matches. They're so great at telling a story in the ring. So in this trio, hangman is great too. As is Jay white as Dan, he's like one of the best storytellers in the ring. Um, tell a, a great story um, where the focal point is Kenny and Don and, and yeah. And you got something really special. Wow, I rambled so much. What a fucking mark! But isn't that what this is about? Let me uh, let me take a, a swig of ginger ale. <clears throat> okay. Sorry about that. What a fucking loser, dude! And just like talking about Kenny lore. I, I pretend Kenny Omega is a uh, Frodo, and that this is Lord of the Rings. Anyway. <clears throat> 
but yeah, I, I think that match is, is going to be amazing. Or it's, uh, you know, Kenny doesn't want to fight. I don't know. Okay, whatever. Uh, uh, then we get Don and Jericho. So here's the thing that I, uh, that I not like about, um, Don and, uh, and, 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 and the Jericho segment is, is Hangman announces this match and then, and then Don, um, Hangman announces like, oh, it's me and Ibushi are going to team up with Omega. And Don's just like, whatever. And then just goes to this Jericho segment where he should act more shocked. But again, uh, I think part of this is he understands that Kenny's boys are going to come help. That's part of the reason he got the Bullet Club involved. Um, because he knows they're going to come help. And I think them coming to help, even though they're not 100%, is what Don is hoping for. And I, I kind of think that's fun. And if they don't tell that story, you fools. But hey, how many times have I explained too much and you guys go, that's not what's happening. And then Kenny explains too much and you go, well, he's jumping around all the time. It's because it is what's happening. It's a lot of story. And so you go, what is the story? Also, they decide to go, yeah, explain the story um, fucking two weeks before the show. That's, uh, yeah, that's a problem in AEW. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so then Don and Jericho, you know, they have like this beat in this match, uh, in this in this segment that did not have to happen, which is, um, which is, is that, Jericho accepts instead of saying no and then being jumped by Takeshita and Osprey, he accepts and then Don has to be like, "Well, wait, I thought you were going to uh to say no, and so I did this, and then you got attacked anyway." Um, you go, why did you add that beat? Well, the beat, in my opinion, is added to show you that Chris Jericho is still a prick. And so when you boo him at Wembley, you have a reason to boo him. Um, but also, um, you will see that he's vicious and maniacal and nutty. And maybe, uh, well, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it when, when, when we go to Jericho's promo backstage. But this segment had some dopey moments. But uh, Will Ospreay versus Chris Jericho at All In is going to be so god damn good um anyway so uh then what do we get we get jungle boy saying he's going to retire uh the ftw title i guess taz is probably going to confront him next week right and then um and then they'll announce hook versus jungle boy at all in which is fun that's cool i like that all right. Anyway, Darby and Nick Wayne versus Gates of Agony. The match was good. I'm not invested in Gates of Agony, unfortunately. Uh, I do love Swerve, though. And I love the Joker Sting in this, and I never like Joker Sting. I think it's weird. I think it sounds too much like uh, Jim Carrey, uh, and I do not like it. But I liked it here, and I do not know why. It just worked somehow. And I think this whole feud has been working, actually. Uh, a lot of the guys shit on it. You know, sure, I'd like AR Fox to maybe be cast with someone else, especially when you're going into Wembley and you're like, does AR Fox deserve to be at Wembley? I mean, there's so many other guys who, who have been, you know, Keith Lee, I don't know. But anyway, I know you'd have to then make him make up with Swerve and then we'd all be scratching our heads. But anyway, um, but 
we cannot deny that this feud has been great. People go, oh, this is thrown together, this is thrown together. I'll argue with the guys more about All In next week. And they have a lot of great points. I mean, I've said that there's certain things. That I don't like that Kenny's not in a singles match. But I do recognize, oh, wow, this is going to be a compelling story. And if I believe in anybody to tell it, it's going to be uh, him. And And again a guy like Osprey for the Jericho match. I think Osprey and Jericho are going to do something really special. And I think people are going to get something special at all in. Um, and I think this storyline actually, uh, just like the MJF Cole storyline, this sting Darby swerve AR Fox storyline has been told so well. I think the, the segments have been fucking fire and we're going to get an awesome fun coffin match that I hope is not too long. Anyway, uh, the Cole MJF segment, I didn't really care for it too much. I thought it was a little corny. I hated that Tony Khan was in it, uh, just cause that's also corny. I hate that MJF is probably thought that was fun. That makes me think less of him. <laughs> I hate that Cole thought that was fun. It makes me think less of him. Uh, but I do think the getting over of the kangaroo kick, I think that's what it's called. Uh, I think that made all of that worth it. Whatever that corny backstage shit was, I do think the kangaroo kick thing is going to um, create a really fun moment at uh, at the all-in uh, zero-hour pre-show. Anyway, uh, I thought their in-ring segment was better than the backstage segment, but I also thought the in-ring segment went a little long, especially considering that we got a backstage segment. I thought it was good. I thought it was solid. I think this feud is solid. Um, and I think that, yeah, they got me invested in, you know, the the, the tag match as well as the, the main event, which is a really, really cool, interesting, fun thing uh, that they did. And the crowd loves this, right? Okay, so anyway, then we get a Jericho backstage, uh, bloody promo on Osprey. I thought this ruled. I seriously, I thought this was so cool. Um, and I think this match, Will Osprey versus Chris Jericho, is going to be fantastic. Uh, people saying the UK crowd isn't getting something special from AEW at Wembley. Dude, this is what the UK is getting, okay? They're getting their hometown boy, Will Ospreay, who's not even, he's not even an AEW talent. The UK is getting him in a match where, dude, they're going to cheer him like crazy, um, where he's also, he's going to be holding the now IWGP UK title. He calls it the IWGP United Kingdom title. Uh, after he beat Kenny just this last week, he has said that it's now the United Kingdom title, and it looks different. It has the, the UK flag. He's going to be walking out holding that thing in the UK. People are going to be singing uh, Will Ospreay song, and 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 you go well, well. Well, one okay. So yes, the UK gets that. Sorry, I'm I'm losing track because I'm just getting so hyped on on how good this match is going to be. Um, but anyway, things are falling here. Um, yeah, dude, he's going to be holding that UK title, and 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 I promise you, he's not just he's not just going to beat Chris Jericho. He's going to like fuck Jericho shit up, dudes. Uh, I uh. I mean, AEW is giving Will Ospreay in the UK, like, it's just Billy Goat versus Jericho calls himself the Goat, right? And Will Ospreay is going to stand tall at the end of it. There's no doubt Will Ospreay is winning this match um, in front of the largest wrestling crowd ever, one of the largest wrestling crowds ever, right? After beating one of the biggest names ever. And yes, Jericho's going to look great. That's why he hasn't taken off a shirt in like the last month or so because he is going to be in shape 
Jericho is capable of, of a great match. And I think what's so fun about this story is, uh, yes, Jericho is going to have his moments in the match, but truly Jericho is going to go, uh, he's just going to get murked in this shit. Sorry. I know I'm talking too much anyway. Um, okay. Now we get to the chest, uh, dude, this Texas chainsaw massacre thing. Uh, yeah, man, it's bad. I know, right, this whole show, it raised a bunch of money for Maui, and that's great. And I know that uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it's like a promotional thing. They gave AEW $100,000 to do it. That $100,000 went to Maui. I understand that. Awesome. Uh, I understand that you – I even understand – well, of course I understand that. But I'll even understand uh, to another extent. I understand doing promotional stuff. I remember when The Miz did that zombie shit for whatever it was. Everyone was like, this is stupid. This is bad. I didn't care because I go, you're doing a promotional thing. And in terms of promotional shit, that Miz thing wasn't the worst, right? You like remove it from the context of the show and you go, this is a long commercial. Anyway, that being said, um, this could have been good. This could have at the very least been fine. And they did not do that. Uh, when Leatherface came out, it was fucking embarrassing and it looked visually stupid. What I mean by that is you can actually make a thing funny. And there was funny moments in that. And Jarrett is funny. And Jeff Hardy's a, uh, you know, he's loony. And in, and there's fun and funny in that. But the way Leatherface looked was the way I would look as Leatherface if I went to a spirit Halloween. It was just like low low-level shit, and that's my complaint. Do I think it's worst match of the year? No, because it's like this weird little odd thing, but it ran too long, and it was just poorly made, poorly thought out, and Leatherface was used like shit. Just ass. There's fun ways to do these things, guys, and this this was not a fun way. I don't care. I don't want to hear excuses. Okay. Then we get Britt Baker versus the Bunny. Okay, maybe this episode of Dynamite isn't that great, but I do think the direction of... uh of all in is is I think it's good, man. I can't I cannot complain about that. Anyway, uh Britt Baker versus the bunny. Yeah. Nah. Yeah, nah. No. It you know, it happened, man. We knew Britt was gonna win. I do think the four way is the way to go for all in. Okay. Acclaimed um getting attacked by uh <clears throat> uh <clears throat> Sorry, I need to uh, drink some ginger ale now. Yeah, so the acclaim being attacked by Malachi, uh, Malachi uh, Buddy, and uh, and and Brody um, King. You know, I think my issue with this is I I don't I like the acclaimed as a tag, and you know when Billy Gunn just randomly left, I personally didn't care, but it's a well told story fun enough match you know it's just i don't think this is a match dude this match happened in newark why should this happen at wembley i don't know this match is uh is a bummer to me but i'm glad these guys are on the card but it's like yeah there's other ways to put these guys on the fucking card so that's yeah no good definite low spot but the uh the bucks versus the guns i did love this i love this match Guns have been a highlight along with Bullet Club Gold on Collision. Uh, the match really picked up. There's like genuine solid moments where you go, oh yeah, that's why the Bucks are the fucking best. Um, and I love that the Bucks held the tights at the end of the match. 
because uh, you go, wait, what? They cheated? That's interesting. Yeah, here's why I like it. It shows that they're willing to do anything to win. And it makes you look at this FTR match coming up as a, a an exhibition in tag team wrestling and not an exhibition of good guy versus bad guy, but an exhibition in who can get it done, who who uses tag teaming to their advantage. You know, there, there's, there's a lot of psychology in tag teaming and part of it is cheating and shit like that. It, it was fun. I thought it was cool. And it makes it unpredictable. You know, who do you cheer for? Who do you boo at Wembley? Um, here's what's going to happen. They're both going to be cheered and they're both going to be booed and they're both going to be cheered again. And it's going to be a fucking phenomenal match. Um, then you have the bullet club attack them after the match. This makes sense, right? Guns are in bullet club. And also they just, uh, attacked the elite. Uh, I loved all the, after the bell shit. I, I, I liked that FTR, uh, save the bucks while also like teasing that they would, that they could hurt them. And, you know, again, teasing this, are we good? Are we bad? Will we fuck you up? Will we not? Uh, definitely at all in, we will, and all bets are off. It's just uh, FTR part three, boys and gals. It's going to be magic. Okay, so yeah, that's my uh, that's my dynamite or dud. It was, uh, in many ways, dynamite. It was dynamite. Okay, high spot, low spot. Here's my high spot. Uh, I won't spoil who won the G1, even though I should. But on Saturday, uh, Osprey fought Naito. And uh, this is my high spot. Uh, I, I thought it was just such an unbelievable match. A really, really unbelievable G1 match. Uh, and the end of it, and again, this isn't the final, so I will spoil this. The end of it, Naito gets knocked out and Will Ospreay guides him through this match. And, and in it, you see Will Ospreay kind of becoming a veteran, becoming someone who can be trusted in the ring. And he's just all around you know, best talent in the world right now, in my opinion. Um, and, and, and that match showed it. And I know you're like, what your high spot is? Naito got knocked out. No, my high spot is that even though he did, uh, he was safely guided through the match and was able to fight the next day. Um, that's my high spot. My low spot is the punk collision drama. Uh, not like, you know, banning guys. I go, look, you do have to talk to some guys. Like if, if there's shit talk on the internet, you do have to go, hey, Nemeth, what's going on? Do you have to send him home? No, I don't think you can send him home. Uh, Daniels, I mean, this guy is head of talent. You you cannot not let him be there. But at the same time, I recognize, oh, Daniels was in the room uh, when the punk fight happened. And the fact that Ace Steel can't be there well, he thinks Daniels can't be there. Uh, well, you got to get over these things on some level. Um, but clearly, both parties aren't. And yeah, that's my low spot, that both parties aren't. Even though I kind of enjoy this. Like, I, I don't know what I enjoy about it, but I do enjoy it. And, you know, people go, oh, this punk. That, that's what I don't like about it, that the real-life drama is making us go, oh, the that's what we want out of elite and that's what we want out of punk for Wembley. The UK does not deserve this feud. This is an American feud folks. Okay. Let us not forget the elite versus FTR and the Bucks. Wait in the Bucks, FTR and CM Punk will be on American soil. Just like 
the start of the end of the world will be. Okay, guys, that's my high spot, low spot. Um, and that's the show. Thanks. Wash your hands. Ciao.